Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Anybody excited about Christmas coming up? Or are you already at the point where you just so, uh, all right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we are on week two of our Christmas series that we started last week uh, called Open. And if you weren't uh, here with us last week, uh, we started this series off by talking about the idea uh, and the importance of having an open heart to what God wants to do in your life. And so we started off in Luke chapter one and we we began to, to read the story of when the angel Gabriel came in and gave Mary this message that she was going to have the honor and the privilege of carrying the Son of God, that she was going to have a virgin birth. And, uh, and we just looked at what it took on Mary's end to have an open heart to what God was, was going to do in her life. And so we, we looked at the fact that she had to make an initial decision with the angels. He's giving her this word to have an open heart. But then there were some things that she needed to do from that point forward to maintain an open heart. It wasn't just an emotional decision or emotional response in the moment, but it was something that she followed up with some practical action to make sure that she was continuing to position her heart to be open to what God wanted to do. And so we looked at the fact that 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 Mary made the effort as soon as she got the word to travel to go see Elizabeth, believing that when the angel said Elizabeth, her barren aunt was pregnant, that she was actually pregnant. So Mary made the effort to surround herself with like-minded people. We also looked at the fact that, that Mary made the decision that she was going to praise God solely on his word, and she wasn't going to wait to see if it actually worked. And, and how when you can praise God in response to his word and not just have to wait till it works, that's a new level of faith. Not only does that bless the heart of God, but that reaffirms inside of you what you believe and where you're at. And then we, we, we ended by talking and, and looking at the fact that Mary spent her entire first trimester staying with her Aunt Elizabeth, serving her Aunt Elizabeth as she was getting ready to give birth to John the Baptist. And we looked at the importance of even when God is desiring to birth something inside of you, to develop something inside of you, the, it's so important to always be outwardly focused, to not be self-consumed, that even Mary carrying the Son of God, having the honor of being the mother of the Son of God, still chose to spend her entire first trimester serving somebody else's promise. And, and uh, so if you weren't here with us, I was going to say listen to it, but I pretty much just summed it up for you. Tonight, Tonight, we are, we are following up the importance of having an open heart with talking about needing to have an open mind as well. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to kind of rewind and we're going to look at when the, the angel actually appears to Zechariah and Elizabeth, which was the context of what we talked about last week. But I want to point something out to you really quick. Uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult to distinguish between an open heart and an open mind. It's really hard to, to differentiate between where your heart stops and your mind takes over and where they intersect and, and where they cross over. When you, when you begin to talk about faith and, and, and believing something, where the, heart is, is, uh, where the heart is found and where the mind comes in and vice versa and which one feeds off the other. And so tonight I want to focus on a few practical things like we did last week. Uh, of, of, of things to focus on, things to keep in mind, things to consider to allow your mind to be open. But your mind and your heart are always going to be connected. And so I want to illustrate this uh, tonight through this story. We're going to be uh, in Luke chapter 1 again. We're going to be starting in verse 5 tonight. And we're going to be looking at Elizabeth, who we talked about last week, this Mary's aunt. And when she uh, and her husband received this word 
from the angels. So if you don't have your Bibles, no stress. We're going to throw it up on the screen. We're going to fly through some scripture tonight. We're going to read a little bit more scripture than we normally do. But I want you to be able to see the context of what we're speaking about. So verse 5, it says this. It says, during the reign of King Herod the Great over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from a family of priests, being a direct descendant of Aaron. They were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they both were quite old. One day while Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest, it happened by the casting of lots that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled, and he was overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. You see the similarities between the angel's message with Mary and Zechariah. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Someone say your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers and tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove that this will happen? The angel said, I can imagine the angel clearing his throat, throat) I'm Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and the child is born to you. That will be your sign. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Meanwhile, the crowds outside, they kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zechariah's delay, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word. And they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple, and then he went back to his own home. Soon afterward, his his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, see how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. What a crazy, crazy story that we see with this priest getting this good news, this amazing report, this this word from the Lord that was directly connected to the prayers that he had been privately praying. And his response is one of such disbelief, unbelief. Now, one thing I want to point out to you that, that you may not know, we read about a crowd being gathered outside of the temple waiting for him to come back out. The reason was because it was customary that when a priest was chosen to go inside and burn incense, that when they would be leaving the temple, they would come out and they would pray a prayer of blessing over the people 
when, when they return from burning the incense. So these people are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's taking too long, and then they come, he comes out, and he's not able to pray a prayer of blessing over the people. The thing that they were waiting for never happened because due to his unbelief, the angel had, had caused him to be mute. It's a really sad, sad story, a, a time that, that you would hope would be such a great memory for Zechariah that a prayer for so long has finally been answered in such a miraculous and amazing way is, is marred by this, this response of, of unbelief. I want to read to you one more story. It's a little shorter of when the angel appears to Joseph to give Joseph the message that Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. To see this story with Joseph, you've got to flip over to Matthew chapter 1. This is what it says. It says, this is how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé Joseph was a righteous man full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. When he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived the child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened so that what the word, so what the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant, she will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. When Joseph awoke from the dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but they refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her son, whom they named Jesus. So last week, we looked at the fact that when Mary receives this unbelievable news that even being a virgin, that she was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God and she was going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who was going to be born of her while she was still a virgin, Mary asked the angel a question and she says, how is this going to happen because I'm a virgin? Now we looked at the fact that last week Mary's question in response to this good news was not one of unbelief, it was one of detail. She wasn't doubting what the angel was, was saying, she was just asking for her own understanding how this was going to look. The difference between Mary's question and Zechariah's question is that Zechariah's question was one of unbelief. The angel was seeing the heart behind the question. Gabriel is specifically addressing Zechariah's unbelief to what he just said. He, he is speaking to something deeper than a question. Now, we, we looked at how amazing Mary handled the entire situation last week, and, and, and Mary, rightfully so, being the mother of the Son of God, gets so much credit, but I want to just shelf Mary for a second tonight, and I want to just appreciate Joseph and the way that he handled this situation. There's a, a verse in a different translation that instead of saying he, he secretly was debating what he was going to do, it says that, that Joseph considered all of these things in his heart. And, and, and it's so funny how we have a tendency when we read the word of God to, to gloss over phrases like that. We, we will fully embrace and accept the chaos and stress in our own life, but we tend to gloss over the chaos and stress of somebody else. Can we just take for a second and recognize what Joseph must have been going through? 
Could you imagine for a moment being engaged and not seeing your your fiance for four months and she shows up pregnant and she has the nerve to tell you she is still a virgin. The Holy Spirit is the one who put the baby there. I can't even I wish I could have been a fly on the wall of that conversation. Now, I, I, I can't even imagine the heartbreak, the anger. The, the, the sense of betrayal, all of these things that Joseph would have been feeling in that moment. So when we read a few short words like, so as he considered these things, uh, please don't, don't slough it off as no big deal. Could you just for a second put yourself in his shoes and imagine your whole world coming, crashing down? Processing, what do I do now? The, 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 the woman that I love is telling me something that is so unbelievable. I don't even know where to go from here. I don't know what, what to do from here. I, I have so much respect for Joseph and his response of obedience that you followed up with a verse saying that when he woke up, he went and he did all that the angel asked him to do. For a second, let's just compare and contrast Zechariah and Joseph's response and, and, and situation. We read that, that Zechariah at this point is, he's an old priest. He, he's a wise man. He's been around the block a time or two. He is a righteous and a faithful man. You, you see that, that him and his wife Elizabeth, they loved the Lord fully, that they followed his commandments, that they were, they were in the word. They were amazing, virtuous people, faithful people. And, and, and you, you begin to read that they've been married for a long time, but Elizabeth was barren and she was never able to have children of her own. In Bible times, if, if you got married and you realized that your wife was barren, that was grounds for divorce. The man was able to divorce his wife if she was not able to produce a child for him to carry on his lineage. But Zechariah loves his wife. And so, so even not being able to have kids, he loves her. He, he, he says, nope, that's not going to split us up. I'm going to stick with you. If my lineage dies with me, it dies with me. But, but we're supposed to be the good. I love you. I'm a faithful man. I'm going to stay faithful to you. I'm going to stay true to you. And it's amazing, this picture that you have of Zechariah. What's so cool is that the angel references that he knows that Zechariah has continued to pray for a child. Even knowing that his wife has been barren, even, even that being probably a source of hurt and pain in their marriage for years. E e even processing feeling like that dream with every birthday that celebrated is just dying more and more and more. That, that it, was, it was hard enough to believe that we could get pregnant when we were in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. But now as we're getting older, it's even, even more improbable. And just all of the pain that must have been associated with, with this infertility and, 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 and their just deep desire to have a child. Zechariah continued to pray for the Lord for the gift of a child. Now, what a day this was for Zechariah. You see, as a, as a priest, they would, they would gather together and they would cast lots to see who was going to have the honor of going in and burning incense. And, and this was not something that you got chosen for multiple times. You were lucky if you got to do it at all in your lifetime. And so this amazing turn of events happens where, where his number is called and he has the honor of burning incense. This would have been the best day of his life. I mean, so honored and so excited to be able to go in the temple and do this. And, 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 and as he's going in there and, and as he's experiencing this for the very first time and he's honored to do it before the Lord, 
Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears to him in person as he's performing this, this, this honor. I, I can't even imagine, like, what is up with today? This is crazy. Like, it was nuts when I got picked to come in here, and now Gabriel is standing here, and he's talking to me. And not only is he just is he appearing before me, but, but he just said that he knew that I have been praying that, that somehow, some way, God could bless us with a child. And, and then Gabriel goes on to say that God has heard your prayers, and he is going to bless you with a child, and not just a child, but, but with John the Baptist the forerunner of the Savior of the world, that, that, that this baby is going to bring so much delight to the Lord's heart that he is going to be used in miraculous ways, that, that the same spirit that was with Elijah is going to be with your son. Could you imagine what is going on in Zechariah's mind in this moment? But how crazy is it that, that even, even experiencing something so supernatural like that right in front of him, even something that he had prayed for for years, even something that he probably wanted inside of his heart that he desired more than anything, he couldn't come to the place where he allowed his mind to believe it would be true. Isn't it so crazy that that he was comfortable enough continuing to pray for it for years, for a lifetime, but his mind wouldn't allow him to receive that, maybe God is that good to me. He's getting this, this word, this prophecy, before his wife is pregnant. Now, you might be like, well, that seems like it'd be hard to believe. Well, if, if he was a priest and he was a righteous and a faithful man, and, and if he knew the word of God, he would have known about Father Abraham. He would have known this story in, in, in the Old Testament where you see Abraham, whose wife was barren as well, and God had promised that he would have descendants, and, and he went through this whole long process of, of not seeing that come to pass and trying to make it happen in his, own, in his own ways, and this whole long story. But in the end, God blesses him and his wife, his barren wife, with the son while they are so old, way past childbearing years. Now, as a priest, Zechariah would have fully believed that story. He has dedicated his life to preach about that story. Isn't it crazy that Zechariah could have fully believed that God did that for Abraham, but he couldn't believe that God would actually be that faithful to himself? We have to choose to have an open mind to what God wants to do. Sometimes it's easy to desire something and pray for it, but when you are actually forced to make the decision, but do you believe that that could happen in your life, in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, in your workplace? Sometimes there's a mental block where we can't get past that to actually believe that God could be that good to us. And so this moment that should have been this, this crowning moment of his life and this moment of this, this promise being, being given and him feeling like all of these prayers have finally paid off is now marred with this response of unbelief. And, and now as he, he walks out, he's not even able to speak to the people that were waiting for a prayer of blessing. Now let's look at Joseph for a second. Joseph at the time is a teenager. Joseph is not a priest. Joseph was into carpentry. He was, he was, he was a normal guy. He was a guy's guy. You also read that Joseph and Mary, they were righteous and they were faithful, that they loved God with all of their hearts, that they listened to the word of God. They were good people that loved the Lord. You read that, that they were in this period of, of, 
espousal or they were betrothed to be married. What that means is back then in Bible times, they, there was arranged marriages. So a lot of times what you would have is you'd have two families that liked each other, that got along, and, and if you had a daughter and I have a son, we're going to make this arrangement that, that they're going to be together. So many times these kids would grow up knowing who they were going to marry, who they were going to spend the rest of their life with. As they would become older in their teen years, when they would enter into this time of, of, of espousal, it meant that they had a year in counting until they were going to be married. So, so Joseph and Mary, they knew each other so well they grew up together. They knew that they were going to spend a lifetime together. A- as they're in this, this, this year in counting, back then the, the, the engagement was even a bigger deal than it is today. If you broke off the engagement in the espousal period, it was the same as divorce. You, you weren't allowed to consummate the relationship until you were married, but, but once you entered in that period, there was no breaking it off without it being viewed as a divorce. And so they've lived a lifetime with this idea that, that they're going to be married and they're going to build a family together someday. And, and as they're in this last year in counting, he doesn't see Mary for four months knowing that she went to go see a relative and she comes back pregnant. She comes back four months pregnant. So, so different than Zechariah. Zechariah got the word before they ever saw anything happen. Joseph gets the the great pleasure of seeing his wife pregnant and then listening to this story that an angel told her that she was going to have a virgin birth. As good of a guy as Joseph was, I could only imagine how hard that would be to hear from your fiance. How, how unbelievable, how torn up inside you would be hearing those words and you see that, that part of him considering these things, debating these things, was that he loved Mary. You, you read that that even as hurt and as heartbroken as he was, even as he was debating divorcing Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her. He was so torn. He felt betrayed, but he still loved her. In, in, in those days, infidelity was not just grounds for a husband to divorce a wife. Many times the wife would be put to death by stoning for infidelity. So Joseph is, is trapped. Joseph is caught not knowing what to do, and he's, he's trying to consider how I could do this secretly and privately so that, I, so that Mary isn't stoned, so that, so that Mary isn't disgraced, but I don't know if I can deal with all of this. Like, this is just, this is so much to handle. This is, this is too much to do. And how good is God that in the middle of his distress, in the middle of his chaos, in the middle of him considering all these things that God is faithful to give him a word when he needs it the most? I mean, Zechariah is getting this word at the pinnacle of his life. Joseph needs a word at the, the lowest part of his life. And you see that, that supernaturally God allows him to have this dream where Gabriel appears to Joseph in a dream. And, and this angel affirms this story and everything that Mary had been, been speaking to Joseph. Now, that would be an amazing experience to have a dream of, of an angel telling you all these things. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I have a lot of crazy dreams. If I believed every dream that I had, my life would look totally different than it does right now. Depending on what I ate the night before, it can completely, if I took melatonin, who knows what I'm going to dream about, right? It's wild. It's fun sometimes. Other times it's terrifying. But, I mean, I can dream some crazy stuff. I have so much respect for Joseph that, that while he's consumed with all of this stuff and he has a dream, he doesn't see the angel in person like Zechariah does, as he has a supernatural dream and the angel clearly speaks to him. 
And he says all these things. That the next morning when Joseph woke up, he chose to be open-minded and believe the dream that he had. He has a dream. He wakes up to see, yep, my fiance is still four months pregnant. And so he could have chosen to just chalk it up to a dream and to the fact that it was $2 tacos the night before. Or, or he could really believe, you know what, I do believe that the Lord spoke to me. I do believe that, that that was Gabriel and that that word was for me. And I believe that there was something behind that. He made a decision to have an open mind to what God was speaking to him. Zechariah, he had the model of Abraham. Abraham was was old, advanced in years. His wife was barren. The Lord gave him a promise, and he was able to have a child. Joseph had no example. Joseph had nobody to look to and be like, oh, yeah, that's how Jesus came the last time. Oh, yeah, that was the other virgin who was able to give birth to somebody. There was nobody that Joseph had to point to. This was unprecedented. I mean, maybe if you're, maybe if you're a priest and, and, and you've devoted your life to studying the scriptures and, and, re, and researching and praying and, and, and seeking how the Messiah is going to come, maybe you'd have more of an open mind. But for an everyday teenage carpenter to have an open mind and to be willing to accept what God is speaking to him as, as God being good and being faithful to him is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Zechariah, this old wise priest, he responds with, Unbelief when Joseph, this teenager, responds in obedience. Now, the goodness and faithfulness of God is that even though Zechariah responded in unbelief, God was still faithful to what he said he was going to do. But he worked in spite of Zechariah's unbelief. And there was a cost. You know, Zechariah kind of takes himself out of the story. The priest who had dedicated his life to this. He's not able to fulfill his priestly duties. He has nothing to give the people when he comes out. His voice is gone due to his unbelief. You see, when Mary travels to go see Elizabeth, and they have this incredible moment where the Holy Spirit overcomes Elizabeth, and John is dancing around in her womb, and there's this amazing moment where she encourages Mary. Elizabeth is the one speaking life into Mary, not Zechariah the priest. Zechariah takes himself right out of the story. Imagine if Joseph would have responded in unbelief. Imagine if Joseph would have been more bent and more trusting in his feeling of betrayal and hatred than he was in the word of God. Joseph would have been the fool that left Mother Mary and the Son of God to do life on their own. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being recognized as the guy who, lo- who left Mother Mary? Joseph would have completely written himself right out of the Gospels. But he was able to to have the privilege of being an earthly father to the Son of God because he was able to have not just an open heart, but an open mind that God wanted to use him. That that God was doing something in, in, in him and Mary's life that was completely unprecedented. But he believed in a God who doesn't always fit into this mental box that we tend to try to, to, to shove him in. God was able to use the belief and the, the, the open mind of a teenager to bring his son into the world. God brought John the Baptist in spite of an old priest's unbelief. I don't know about you, but I want to make the decision tonight that I, I want to have an open mind. I want to believe that God wants to work in me, and I don't live a life where God is having to work in spite of me. I, I don't want to get to heaven one day and say, Man, I did all of these things, and there were things that I wanted you to be involved in. There were things that I wish you would have been a part of the story, but you kept taking yourself out of it 
because you couldn't just have an open mind to the fact that I want to use you. I want to do something inside of you. I want to grow something inside of you. I want to develop something inside of you. There are plans that I have for you. In order to have an an open mind, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of some things. Your mind has the ability to either help your heart or hurt your heart. Isn't it amazing the things that you can talk yourself into and the things that you can talk yourself out of? And so God has given us a heart. God has given us a mind. But how we choose to use those things is is up to us. So I want to look at three things that we need to constantly consider if we're going to have an open mind to what God wants to do. As Joseph was considering all these things, I want us to consider these things every day as we go through life. Things that we need to remind ourselves of to, to constantly have an open mind to what God wants to do. The first thing is that you need to remind yourself that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now this may sound so fundamental, you may be like, oh gee, thanks, that's, that's so elementary. This is something that so many people skip right over. You know, it's amazing how many Christians that you can spend your entire Christian walk being amazed and blown away and having so much respect for how God has used so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And you never end up seeing him work in your life because you've never really believed that he desires to do things in you. You just respect how he's done things in everybody else. You, you, you might feel comfortable to pray that God would use you, but you've never gotten to the point where you actually believe that he did want to use you. You, 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 you've prayed certain things, but you've never allowed yourself to have an open mind that maybe God is that good, that maybe God is that faithful, that maybe God is no respecter of persons, and just like he's you so-and-so, he wants to do things in you and through you. You have to constantly remind yourself God does have a plan and a purpose for my life. We can be good at reminding everybody else God has a plan. We need to remind ourselves God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to, to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, declares the Lord. You have to believe, choose to believe that that promise is for you just as much as it is for anybody. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what, what gender you are. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. We have to approach this walk with God with this being the fundamental belief. Because if you don't accept this, everything else is going to fall apart. Life is hard enough to make sense of as it is. If you don't believe that God has a plan for your life, nothing is going to make sense. Nothing is going to make sense. We need to constantly remind ourselves God has a plan. God has a purpose. When, 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 when you believe in something, when you are, are expecting something, you look for it different. I don't know about you guys with, with Christmas packages or ordering stuff off, offline. You know, when I get tracking information, I'm on that thing like a hound dog. Like I'm checking that thing every hour. You know, even when I know it's coming from California, I don't know why, but I like to see at dinner time where it was and be like, you guys didn't get any further than Arizona? Come on, it's been four hours. You know, a lot of times I like to guess. I'm like, expected delivery date is Friday. I bet where it said it'll get here on Thursday. You know, and you could check all the way up to Wednesday night and it's still saying Friday, and then Thursday it says, it says Thursday, and you're like, see, I knew it all along. I could tell. I could track it. I love being able to track packages. When I know something is on the way, 
I'm I'm so vigilant, especially if it's an electronic, especially if it's something expensive. You know, we we uh, we bought something for our kids that that couldn't be out in the cold for Christmas, and and it had gotten delayed because of some storms, and and it was getting delivered on a night that was so inconvenient. We had so much running around to do, and so we ended up stopping at home in the middle of all of our errands before we're going to get a Christmas tree because I could see that the package was delivered, and I wasn't going to be able to enjoy picking out a Christmas tree, worrying if this Christmas gift was going to get stolen off my porch, and so. We had to go out of the way to go home so I could get that, go inside and hide it in a safe, warm place. But I was checking my phone every hour to see when that thing was delivered. When you're expecting something, you are vigilant for it. You are looking for it. If you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, you look for things differently. You can be in a conversation. You can be hearing somebody pour out about their life. And and maybe normally when you would just be so distracted with what's going on in your life or what's happening because you've reminded yourself that God has a plan for me, God has a purpose for me, you begin to look at things and say, man, maybe, maybe God is presenting me with an opportunity right now to encourage somebody, to pray for somebody. Maybe this is a, a chance where I'm supposed to step out where I normally wouldn't step out. Maybe this is an opportunity where I'm supposed to make this decision that doesn't make sense with my eyes, but I can tell in my heart that God God is asking me to do this, and even if it doesn't make sense, I believe he has a plan for me, so if he's asking me to do it, it will make sense at some time. We have to constantly remind ourselves and come back to this fundamental truth and believe God is not just good for people, God is good for me. God is not just faithful to others, he's faithful to me. God just doesn't have a plan for everybody else, God just doesn't have a plan for the Harbor Church, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for my marriage. God has a purpose for my family. God wants to do things in my life. You have to constantly remind yourself of this. The second thing that you need to consider, and you always need to to remind yourself of quickly after you accept that first thing, is that God's plans often look different than our own. God, you got a plan for me, and I know your plan probably looks totally different than mine. You know, you read in Isaiah 55 where the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You have a different level of grace for when life doesn't make sense, when you really believe that God has a plan for your life, and you understand that his plans don't always line up with yours. It's so funny how many times we can waste so much time doubting the very thing that we prayed for. As Zechariah spent a lifetime praying for a child, the angel is saying, I got good news, man. God has God heard you. God arranged this whole thing for you to get picked to come in here and to burn incense and this angel to appear to you and for me to give you this good news. The very thing you spent a lifetime praying for, you're doubting now? We can, we can you know, pray these prayers that feel good in the moment. God, use me. God, mold me. God, make me. I'm like quoting every worship song from the 90s. You know, God, do something new in me. Those are, those are things that feel good to pray in the moment, and then how many times do we begin to despise when we're going through struggle? God doesn't just glorify himself in your success. I can point to a lot of successful people that don't glorify God. Oftentimes, God glorifies himself when we go through struggles, when we go through pain, when we have peace, when we shouldn't have peace, when we have joy, when we shouldn't have joy. So many times, God, use me. And then the moment that life starts to feel outside of our control, I get all bent out of shape. God, where are you? Did you forget about me? No, we need to remind ourselves, God, you do have a plan. And, it, and if things start to look different than the way that I drew it up, I'm not going to freak out because your plans oftentimes look different than mine. 
And, and I believe that if there is a godly purpose to my life, I need God to achieve that purpose. So things shouldn't make sense to me all the time. If, if every step that you take and every decision that you make and the way that you lead your life always makes sense to you and is exactly how you draw it up, you're probably doing it independent of God. Because God so often does things in a way that you couldn't have drawn up but, but, but ends up bringing a result that you could have never achieved on your own. God has a plan for you. Don't freak out when it looks different than your own. And, and what we need to follow that up with and consider is the fact that a mind led by the Spirit will bring you discernment, but a mind led by the eyes brings doubt. I'm going to have the band come up as I, as I close on this point. You know, you may be like, so how am I supposed to know if this is God or this really is my life just falling apart? Well, that's where discernment comes in. Discernment is a spiritual gift for the believer. You, you need discernment. You have to have discernment. If you're going to be able to, to see and to, to, to decipher what is God's voice and what maybe is your own voice and your own thoughts and your own head or the enemy speaking, you, you need discernment. It is a spiritual gift. Doubt is a spiritual drain. When you, when you walk by sight, when you make decisions based on sight, you will drain the faith right out of your life. It's a mind led by the Spirit that brings discernment. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, he says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will or God's plan or God's purpose as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Have you ever had a, a spiritual encounter, a moment with God? And, and, and maybe it was in a service. Maybe it was listening to some amazing music or an awesome sermon. Maybe it was at a conference. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was just this moment where you just had this, this encounter with God. And, and, and then some time passes, some struggle passes, and then you begin to doubt if that was really that real. And maybe, maybe I was tired. You know, I don't think I got a lot of sleep the night before, so maybe I was just a little more susceptible to my emotions. Maybe, maybe it just felt real in the moment, but really it was just me making that up in my head. Maybe Have you ever talked yourself out of a moment that you felt like you had with God at a time? I mean, I, I just, again, I have so much respect for Joseph that waking up from a dream, he's able to keep an open mind to say, God, I believe you. God, God I, I'm going to keep an open mind to this. And this is such a struggle, man. Your mind can mess you up. When I get caught in my own head, it never leads to anything good. So many times my mind can end up hurting my heart instead of helping my heart. And just like we want to be conscious of positioning our heart into a, a place of spiritual health, we need to make sure that what we're focusing on is positioning our mind to be in a place of health. Because what you focus on can either feed your faith or, or it can feed your fear. The things that you choose to look at, the things that you choose to listen to, the things that you choose to think about and you, you choose to entertain, it make no mistake, it is feeding one of the two. And so it is so important to make sure that you are keeping an open mind to the things of God by feeding your faith, by, by looking at and concentrating on things that are going to help you. Paul gives so much practical advice. He says in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
So practically speaking, you're like, so what does that look like? Because I live on earth, and, and, and I have this, this curse that I have to live on earth every day, Paul. So how am I supposed to just think about heavenly things? Well, it means that you make an earthly effort to put your mind on heavenly things. So, so how do you do that? Well, that means that you make it a priority to spend time with God. That means that you make it a priority, a priority to, to think about the Holy Spirit and to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That means that you make a priority to, to read the Word. So many times people will come up to me and complain like, ah, yeah, I feel like God speaks to you. How come God doesn't speak to me? And they don't read their Bible. I'm like, what? I, I don't understand. This is the living and active words of God for you. Don't complain that God doesn't speak to you if you're not taking the time to read his word. Paul says in Romans 10, he says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. He says in Philippians 4, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any in, in excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Man, this is an exciting thing that God has a plan for your life. That God has a purpose for your life. That God has a destiny for your life. That God, the plan that God has for you, you could not even dream up in your best dream. The things that God wants to do in you, the things that God wants to do through you, your life has eternal purpose. And we got the Holy Spirit to lead us. And, and, and when, when things don't make sense, you know, we all love these miracles that we read about in the Bible. You know, I can, I can say amen with the best of them when we talk about these people stepping out in faith and God doing these miracles. But you got to understand that in the moment before the miracle happened, it, it made no sense to the person who was being asked to do something crazy. Like, we, 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 we really need to believe, God, you got a plan for me. So when you ask me to do something crazy, when you ask me to do something that, that maybe I, I, I feel like it's stretching me or it's uncomfortable in the moment or maybe it goes against what I would naturally feel, God, I trust that you speak to me. God, I trust that you're leading me. I trust that, I trust that you're guiding me. And you get to that place by positioning your mind in a way that the Holy Spirit can lead you. That, that, that you are feeding your faith. That you are focusing on good things, heavenly things. That you are, are constantly putting the Word of God in your heart and, and, and in your eyes. And, and you're, you're thinking about it and you're letting it get into you. Man, who... Who knows what God wants to do in you? Who knows what God wants to do through you? But I can tell you that you're never going to get there if you don't have an open heart and you don't keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.